Wake up! Wake up, wake up, 502, what's going down on a snowy Saturday morning in the Ville? Rashawn Myers coming to you live and direct from the palatial studios of Big X WXVW. Wake up, 502 is on the air, and we are talking all about making a change. We are making a change today in the world. We're making a change with this University of Louisville basketball team. And we're going to talk about all the changes that have been going down. Of course, as always, being joined by my esteemed colleague, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Haven Harrington. Haven, how are you doing this morning, sir? Cold. I'm doing very cold. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little uh, slushy coming over this morning. Yeah, it was. And a little slippery. Yeah, yeah. Actually, a lot of it's slippery. Yeah, well, the, the, you know, the highways were good, but like any, like, uh, you know, off ramp or uh, the, side street or the, regular street. The entire Second Street Bridge. Yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa. <laughs> but that's all right. We're here, man. We got too much going on. It is Duke Basketball Day. University of Louisville is in an existential crisis right now as the basketball team has completely, like, where we were last week. And what we were talking about last Saturday, getting ready for Russ Smith Day, uh, you know, and, and that whole situation and ta- talking about how this team turns this around and, and puts their best foot forward to try to get some momentum going. To now, fast forward, you know, seven days, and now we're talking about a completely different world. You know, and and, and I think that yeah, the reason, you know, of course, I, I'm – uh, decided to go with the uh, man in the mirror, the Michael Jackson, this morning is, you know, kind of twofold. You know, they, they decided they wanted to make a change, okay? Um, but now, today's going to make you look in the mirror to figure out who you are, okay? We're going to see if the problem was Coach Mack or we're going to see if the problem was the kids on the court. And, and I think we're going to start to get some of those answers, Um 
today. And, and we're going to have a ton of thoughts on that. Of course, if you want to get involved, the best way to do so, the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. You can text in and be a part of the show. Of course, you can always reach out to us on the Twitterverse or on Facebook. We, we definitely... Um, Take all types of messages if you want to get involved uh, via the Twitter sphere um, at Rashan. That is R A A S H A A N um, is my Twitter. Um, or you can reach out to Haven at M E Sports um, as well. Um, I do not believe we will be joined by our esteemed colleague, colleague, Mr. Joe Kelly. He may give us a call, but I know he was not feeling well. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was the, the Megatron virus or, or something else, but I know that he had not been feeling well. So one of them transformers got him, uh, hemmed up. So, and also if you miss Alpha any Tryon part and- of this broadcast, <laughs> go to wake up 502.com and you can listen to the podcast at any time. And you've also, if you like what we do, also become a patron of uh, Wake Up 502. I like, you know what, Haven, you're pretty good at this. You're good at, you know, reminding folks of, uh, you know, all the wonderful things that that they need to do to get involved. And, of course, wakeup502.com is where that gets going. And, you know, if, if you're out running around and you want to listen online, you can definitely listen live at Wake Up 502 uh, as well. Uh, as you ride around, the podcasts are always up pretty quickly. Haven does an awesome job of getting all that. So if you uh, want, missed any part of the show or if you're only in your car riding around or listening at parts, if you want to go back and hear the thing in whole, uh, you can always do that as well. But we're going to definitely go ahead and jump into to it this morning and you know I, I feel like we need to fast forward we need to go backwards you got to look back before you can look forward and, and, and I feel like that's where Haven we need to get going this morning um, you know rewind um, Russ Smith Day once again big shout out um, to the great one himself the legend Mr. Russ Smith uh, for coming on the airways and talking to us on his great day um, an amazing uh, atmosphere in the Yum Center, an amazing uh, number retirement ceremony. Um, I feel like it had everything you needed. Uh, Louisville uh, was winning at halftime of that game. They had everything going their way. Then <laughs> the bottom dropped out. I, I I don't even know. No, you know, you know what? It wasn't the bottom dropped out. It was the real University of Louisville basketball team showed up. True. Because that first half was smoke and mirrors. Yeah, they, they, they hit that that first half. That team hit more bad shots than they had probably hit in one single game the whole year in that first half. And, and it it definitely um, anybody who follows me on Twitter, um, of course, since I'm out there at the, at the games, I'm usually live tweeting everything um, at the home games. And, and you know, one of my big reservations were they were not getting good looks. They weren't running good offense. But you know, you have Jared West go four for four on four very bad three pointers deep and knocked them all down. Uh, Malik Williams shot several very bad shots that just happened to go down from three-point range. So, you know, you ended up with Malik with three threes and Jared West with four threes in the first half. But you still That's never going to happen again. But you, <laughs> but you still only have like a single-digit lead. Yeah, because they, they weren't playing any defense at all. Notre Dame literally looked like the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> and to me, like when I was listening to the game, that's what had me worried the most. I mean, you're hitting everything you throw up, but you're not, like, in a double-digit lead. Like, if you're hitting threes at that level, you should be someplace, at least like a 13, 14-point lead going in a half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that Louisville, just up by seven or eight. No, I mean, I believe Louisville hit eight threes in the first half. Yeah, I believe. They hit eight threes in the first half of that game, and they were up 
barely. They were up seven at the half. And you just can't you can't do that. You know, when you go out there, um, you're playing that well. You should be up, like you said, 12, 15, 17, 20 points. You should be have a substantial lead at that point. And instead, Louisville was in a game where it was basically just ping pong back and forth. Every t- each team took a term scoring a- a- and that wasn't going to be good enough. And lo and behold, what happened in the second half, Haven? It wasn't good enough. Yeah, it wasn't good <laughs> enough. Team uh, remembered that they couldn't shoot and that they weren't getting good looks and that, you know, you can't just go out there and just pass the ball around the perimeter and jack up some horrible shot and think those things are going to keep going down. And Notre Dame runs away with it in the second half. Coach Mack gets booed uh, as he is walking off the court. Uh, it was a very loud, audible boo that was heard by everybody at home. Um, and, of course, everybody in attendance uh, went Went home very upset, losing on Russ Smith Day. Um, and at that point, Coach Matt came into the press conference, um, looked very resigned to the fact that, man, I just don't know what to do. And that was the first time, Haven, that I thought, I don't know if this dude's going to make it to the end of the year. I, like, it just seems like everything is bad. Like, Malik Williams sitting at the end of the bench after the game. Um, was just sitting there like at the, the horn blew and everybody got up to go shake hands with the other team and Malik just sat there with like a de- daze glazed over look staring out into you know the universe and just kind of sat there and I was absolutely surprised that after the game that that was the dude that coach Mack decided to send to the podium because it was one of those situations where it's like yeah he doesn't look very happy and if none of his coaches or nobody told Coach Mack that that wasn't, you know, that Malik probably wasn't the best headspace, then, you know, they automatically just send Malik out. Like, I was shocked that they had they sent him to the podium. So then, of course, we get the audio that everybody remembers and everybody's been playing um, since then where they asked Malik, you know, is everybody still buying in and is everybody still on the same page? And Malik took that long pause and then said, you know, I'm going to have to say no comment to that. You know, and it was just once again, and it probably ended up being Coach Mack's last bad decision <laughs> was to send Malik out there. And we got the audio that ultimately started the wheels turning uh, for Louisville, ultimately making that decision to move on from Coach Mack. Um, and now we're here uh, a week later and Coach Pegues is back in the captain's chair as the interim head coach. Coach Mack has a severance package and is now done with the University of Louisville. Um, and has, if you check his uh, Instagram page now, it says former basketball coach or retired basketball coach, literally. Like, <laughs> I feel like the Louisville job has just completely broken Coach Mack's spirit. Dude doesn't even want to coach no more. You know, and I won't be honest. When we first hired Chris Mack, I was a Chris Mack guy. Yes. I, I'm, I'm going to admit it. You know, I had a cousin to play for Chris Mack uh, up at Xavier. Had nothing but good things to say about Chris Mack. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was the best coach at the time that we could have hired coming from Xavier. You know, just coming from having a number one seed. Absolutely. Uh, beating Cincinnati, their, their hated arch rival. Understanding what a rivalry means. You know, I thought he was the perfect coach for the University of Louisville. You know, he's going to step up. Uh, you know, being at a larger program, being in one of the top ten programs, basketball programs in the country, that he could come in, use that cachet to recruit at a higher level than he could at Xavier. Uh, you know, it would take him a while to implement his system. 
I, I would, you know, I was thinking about one, one or two years right. to get his system in place, to get it, you know, his guards in place. I know that Xavier, he ran a very guard-heavy offense that was dependent on uh, upperclassmen guard play to mm-hmm. run his offense. And I thought, okay, by year three or four. Get his dudes in there. Yeah, he's going to have his dudes in here, and this place is going to be rolling. And, and was, instead, and I was wrong. <laughs> the exact, however, happened. comma, <laughs> but <laughs> that did not happen. The exact opposite happened. He never could recruit guards to uh, keep him here to become upperclassmen to run his system. You know, he was like Calipari almost when Calipari first got to UK with one and duns, where he was on the transfer portal with one and done guards and 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 a one and done backcourts almost without having the ability to really integrate that one-and-done transfer portal-type atmosphere into a cohesive philosophy on the court. And, you know, it's funny. When I look back at it, Haven, um, I think that the biggest issue and the biggest problem that, ended up, that you know, ends up coming back to bite Chris Mack in the end uh, was the fact that he decided to go with Kristen Cunningham – and Fresh Kimball, those first two years where he opted to go the transfer route and find those two grad transfers to come in and play for those first two teams. And while uh, Kristen Cunningham and Fresh Kimball both did an excellent job in their two years um, as the leaders of the Louisville offense, um, had Chris Mack decided to bring in a couple of high school, maybe, you know, maybe you don't get a top 100 guard. I personally think you could have. I think you could have gone out and got a top 100 guard. You know, maybe not a top 50, but you could have got a guy in the, you know, 50 to 100 range and get a couple of those guys that maybe you're going to have to teach them on the job. Maybe you're going to have to deal with some um, shortcomings defensively early. Um, but I feel like if you d- go out and you do that and you find your, your guard that's going to lead your team for, for the next several years or at least as he learns – you know, and you bring him along slowly and he works through those mistakes, you would have been in a much stronger position years three and four. And instead, uh, you know, Coach Mack opted for the quick fix. The quick fix. And he opted to not play David Johnson a ton in his freshman season, basically sitting David on the bench the whole year as kind of the spark plug uh, and opting for these older guards. And now what you had in the situation in year four, instead of having two senior guards now that are the leaders of your team and that are making plays because they've been in your system for four years, they understand the defense, uh, they're strong leaders, um, they have that grizzled veteran type of toughness to them by going through uh, playing ACC basketball for three years, you're still dealing with transfer guys. You're dealing with uh, Jarrett West having to come in from Marshall and be to be a starter. You're dealing with L- Ellis, who's a guy who with a, with a lot of athleticism but needs to learn the game. You're dealing with uh, Noah Locke, a guy who um, is trying to remake himself into something that, frankly, he's not. Um, as he came to Louisville wanting to be more of a go-to combo guard instead of just a kind of a set shoot, shooting, uh, you know, uh, pick-and-pop guy. Uh, and, and, you know, what you have is the situation this year. And all this haven was all at the, the set at the feet of Coach Mack. So, I mean, when you look back at it. It was all avoidable. It was all av- avoidable. The Super 6 class was an abject failure. It, it flamed out. And in basketball – it, to me, what, what makes what makes it so frustrating 
is in basketball, you can literally, in one or two years, completely change the identity of your team based on how you recruit. It's not like football where it's going to take three to four years for guys to come through the system. You can flip it much, much faster in basketball, and, uh, and, and he just – he never could do it. He never could flip it. He never could kind of get that thing going. Yes. Or he never adjusted to the guys. He never really adjusted to the to the talent he had on the court. And, and, and this year is a prime example. You know, you bring in uh, McMains, which which apparently nobody likes, uh, to run an offense. That doesn't work. That well, you don't know if it doesn't work or not because <laughs> it doesn't work with the guys he got. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. It's like you bring him to run this style of offense, but you don't have the players here to run that style of offense, and you don't get the you don't go out to get the players to run that style of offense. So of course it's not going to work. That's like bringing in somebody who wants to run a run and shoot offense back in the old days of the NFL, but you give them the the eighty Redskins to try to run a run and shoot with. It's, it's not going to happen. You can't do it. You don't have the personnel to run it. It's it's not going to work, and and that's what you had here with this year. You know, you had, you're trying to run an offense without the talent to run the offense. You kind of have guys that can, but you don't want to play the guys that kind of they they can kind of run the offense that you're trying to run, and it's pushed behind the eight ball. Yeah, I mean, and, and it just and you, and you never adjusted. You never was like, okay, I can't run your offense this year. We're gonna have to run something else. Because this ain't going to work. Yes, and it took him till literally almost like January to figure out. And, and that can't happen. I need to either. start Faulkner. I need to start L. Ellis. That should have happened. Start all these other people, but it was obvious in October. That, well, that, that's what I'm saying. That should have happened at the end of June, July. At the worst, once you started live full practice in the fall in September, it should have been off. It this should have been, been done before the season started. And I feel like. Coach Mack wasn't in the right headspace. And, and, and this is what we go back to because, you know, of course, once everything is over and the paper and the ink is dry and Coach Mack is standing out in front of the Keeper Center with his Bengals hat on, talking to the media, talking about, I'm going to be okay, I'm going home to cook dinner tonight. <laughs> you know, I'm well, done, Pete. At, at that point, you start to retrace your steps and, and you start to reflect on, you know, what happened and, and how did this all go wrong. And and we're, we're, we're going to kind of get into that and so many more things. You are listening to Wake Up 502. Rashad Myers, Haven Harris, to taking care of you. Big X Sports Radio, WXVW, 96.1 FM, and online, wakeup502.com. This is Rashad, and we'll be right back. Welcome back in. Wake up, wake up. 502 is going down with your boy Rashawn Myers here in the studio. Big X Radio. Hey, but let me ask you something, brother. When you hear this, do you think of the original Juicy Fruit or do you think of the Notorious B.I.G.? You know what? Both of them sometimes. You know, <laughs> if it plays too long, like it's like, like kind of looped down, right. Juicy Fruit. 
But, okay. but just like the first like two or three bars, you said. Then it's big. <laughs> you know, because I, I, it was funny as it was playing. I'm like. I don't know. Like I, I hear, I hear them. I, I agree with you. I hear them both, man. But welcome back. We are talking all things U of L athletics because that unfortunately is what's going down. Of course, tomorrow we have championship Sunday. It's going down in the NFL. We'll be getting into that um, in much greater detail. Uh, in hour number two, as I get Haven's picks for the Super Bowl, uh, it's going down. Uh, cannot wait to talk about that. Um, but of course, we are looking back at everything in the aftermath of the University of Louisville athletic basketball program deciding to move on from now former head coach Chris Mack um, as they look forward to the future with um, current interim head coach Mike Pegese taking over the reins uh, for his seventh game or what? No, eighth game. Uh, as the Louisville head coach, um, after going six and one in his initial stead at the beginning of the year, um, and you know, Haven, the further that we've gotten away from it, um, that decision, and, and I do wonder that decision by um, former President Neely Bendapudi to um, suspend Chris Mack of that full month. I do go back and, you know, we talked about some of the things that Coach Mack should have seen and realized in the summertime and some adjustments that he should have made, um, you know, but I, I can understand wanting to stick with your guns and wanting to um, see this stuff play out on the court against other live competition just to see what you are actually getting out of your team. I do wonder, man, if, if Chris Mack is there for that first full month and, you know, Malik Williams said he thought that did a huge, huge um disservice to the team because you know they had to get used to the voice of Mike Pegues and when you're in live action playing against actual teams you start to build that trust with the coach and the guy who's there of course going out there and winning the Baja Mar Classic um, and then once Coach Mack comes back and tries to reinsert himself and starts to change things to do things his way that it really just threw everybody off and I, I, I don't know if how different things would have been if Coach Mack would have been there for that full month. But I definitely think that led or at least expedited what we have had play out. I think this was going to be the, the end result regardless. Okay. If he played or not. I, I, I think the, the die was set. And especially when you saw in his rotation patterns that guys who obviously needed to start yeah. weren't starting. And guys who didn't need to play as much as they did were playing way more than what they should have. Yeah. And it just it was just too obvious. Yeah. I mean, because even if we did come back and you give them like four or five games, it was obvious that Curry should have been starting. I mean, it's just, it's just obvious. It's obvious that this team, with the way they have been shooting, I know that you brought these guys in here to be sharpshooters because they're 40% plus three-point shooters at the schools they came from. They come here and they become 30% three-point shooters. But – at that point, it becomes obvious that, you know what, my team really can't shoot that well in the, in the offense we're trying to run. Just like the past couple of years, they kind of stand around and wait for something to happen. I need to put Curry on the block because apparently he can score, he can uh, rebound, and he can kind of get the ball out there to guys in the open. Mm-hmm. Let me get a couple of guys who can drive, they can kind of create their own offense. They may not be the best shooters, but they can drive, kind of create their own offense, they can kind of get in the lane. Yeah, they may get stuck a couple of times and not know what to do and not know what to do once they get down there, but they could drop off to Curry. He can make some post moves. If not, he can kick it back out. 
I'll put Lock in the game because he can be a knockdown shooter. Let me just make him a uh, a catch and shoot, pick and pop guy. Like I said before, like I said actually this entire year, he can be our Steve Kerr, Paxton type dude. Right. And we can just run it like that. I think that could generate enough offense. And, we, and if we play hard defense, we should be okay. No. And, I- and, and those were obvious fixes that still have not happened. And once again, the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450 if you want to get involved. Um, and, and I say I agree with you that all those things should happen. But you know what I heard with everybody that you talked about just then? All those were first-year guys, Haven. All of them. Every last one because he doesn't. Well, here's, here's he, the thing. No, no, but see, this is the thing. Don't you remember? Let's rewind, okay, when we go back to, to, yeah, to, to Main Event Sports Show, Main Event After Dark, uh, you know, all the iterations of everywhere where we've talked about these things and all our great sponsors that we have over the last several years. Let's rewind and think back to year one under Chris Mack and even year two under Chris Mack when they did ultimately get to that number one ranking. When you had, you know, a, a younger, healthier Malik Williams, Stephen Enoch, Jordan Wara, uh, Ryan McMahon, those guys were good enough to make Louisville pretty good. But what Chris Mack did not do was take that core. And build on it. And you had the foundation. play the young guys with those older guys to catch those young guys up. Because Chris Mack, because he came from Xavier, a mid-major program that built its identity around upperclassmen, juniors and seniors, he – Got into this mode of I'm only going to play my juniors and seniors and guys that know how to play my defense. I'm going to play good, solid, sound defensive guys. That's why he went with Kristen Cunningham. Um, that's why he went with Quan Four, even though Quan Four literally had zero offensive ability at all. <laughs> He's, he he decided to play with Quan Four um, and, and decided to play with all these guys like Fresh Kimball and the rest of the the transfers that he brought in and basically never put good into his young players, thinking that he could lean on these uh, upperclassmen until his young guys came along. But when you bring in a six-man class of Aiden Gahan, you know, Q Slazinski, Lance Thomas, uh, uh, Sam Williamson, uh, you know, and, 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 and Josh Nickelberry, and you bring out in all these young guys, but then you don't play them. Like, what was the point because, you know, like like you're thinking, okay, well, these guys will just get better in practice. It, it, he undermined himself from the, the day he walked on campus and how he decided to run his program. He undermined everything that he did from there on out. You know, which is weird because when – He had no pressure to win early. He, no, no pressure to win early. But then, like, when, when the COVID season hit, right, and you are forced to play some of the younger guys, J.J. Trainer. And those guys, right? Remember that? Yeah. And he had a he only had like a six man rotation because everybody was injured. Malik was injured again. Half your team was either out injured, so you had no choice but to play these young guys. They played very well. That actually may have been the best basketball team of all his guys that he's ever put on the court was when they played for those first 10, 10 11 games together. They played, you know, they weren't the greatest offensive team. They were a horrible three-point shooting team, but they played like really smart basketball. Everybody had their role. Everybody knew what they wanted to do and what they had to do, and they played pretty well until that first COVID pause. 
which kind of killed all their momentum. But they were playing really well. And then as soon as the upperclassmen got back healthy, Malik and those guys got back, sat those guys on the bench, and they never really got back. They still have not gotten back into the swing of things. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, bound and determined to play upperclassmen, which I understand because they're mid-major programs. That's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. You know, because you're not going to get the top-line talent, but you're going to win a whole lot of games on experience, especially in college basketball where it's a guard-heavy game. You can win with upperclassmen, experienced senior guards, as Wichita State, as Villanova. The guys do almost every time they get a good senior class. You know, they're, they're tough out. Yeah, but, you know, and, and this is the thing. Like, this is, this is what happens. It's kind of like when you have a new sports car. And you get so excited you got the new sports car that you're like, you know what, I'm going to get it out on that straightaway, on the highway, and I'm going to punch it. I want to see what this baby can do. And you run it right into a wall. Or you, you strip the transmission because you don't know what you're doing. You never learned how to drive a stick. Or, you know, you, 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 you do something to um, compromise the integrity of the vehicle because you come at it too reckless at the beginning. And I feel like... Coach Mack tried to be a little bit pregnant. He wanted to have everything and be really good at the same time as he built his program. And instead of just taking his time and doing a grassroots, I'm going to build this up from scratch, I'm going to take these good players that we have, and we're just going to mold around what we got, and we're just going to do a slow build. But we're going to have a strong foundation year three and year four. By doing a slow build, and I, I, I don't, I mean, it's difficult and it's tough to talk about um, the COVID situation and the, the part that that played with all of this, um, but that's what needed to happen at Louisville, and, and when I look back at it, like, I, I go back and I look at all the guys that came through, and that's what happens. Christian Cunningham was there one year. All the experience that he gained, he's gone, Haven. The next year, Fresh, uh, Fresh Kimball comes in, learns all this stuff, then he's gone, and that's the problem is you continued to recycle all these guys. Carly Jones was outstanding last year. And guess what? Out. He gone. You know, and, and the thing is, it's like that's what is so hard about trying to coach a lot of transfers when you have them for just one year. And it's in the most important position on the team, which is guards. And you rotate them year in and year out. It's hard to get that consistency. It's hard to get that continuity. With your program, you know, it's, it's hard to build unless you're getting super top end talent. And for that one year, it's, it's hard to build and it's hard to build consistently. And, and we've seen that. Absolutely. I mean, and, and that that right there um, is is where everything started. And even though we didn't know it, but we did have our concerns. We had questions about, you know, why is it that Louisville is in these um Live and die games. It always seemed, especially and even this year, that Louisville could never blow anybody out. There was never a situation where they were playing North, South, East, West, Christian State, and they were up 30, so now we can put the whole Super 6 in. Let's get Q out there. Let's get Sam Williamson out there. Let's get uh, Lance Thomas out there. Let's get all of our young guys, Aiden Gahan. Aiden Gahan couldn't see the floor as a, as a freshman. And then let's get these guys some experience on the court. But Coach Mack never wanted to do it because he only trusted his seniors. And you just can't do that at this level. You know, like everything didn't happen for him at Xavier in his first year, but his need uh, or the pressure that he felt to come out and just make this big splash 
That was his undoing because what happened? What did you get out of it? Uh, you made the tournament and lost to Rick Pitino's son in the first round. You get to the number one ranking your second year. What happens? The tournament gets canceled. And after all that happens, you don't make the tournament in year three. You completely panic. You fire everybody. You make everybody transfer. You end up getting in trouble with the president. Now she's threatening your job. And you aren't right the rest of the year. Your head wasn't in the right space when you went to go get Ross McMains from off his couch eating Cheetos in New Zealand or Australia or wherever the hell he was. You get all these guys and transfer them in, not even figuring how the guys are going to play together or what types of players you need for the system you're trying to run and making sure you bring in the right guys. You didn't do any of that. And I feel like Haven, he was playing with a compromised brain. He was playing with other things on his mind. He was still pissed off about what happened with Dino. He's still shook by the fact that the, the president wants to try to fire him. He's still being shook by the fact that, you know, Vince Tyree's leaving and, you know, everything that's going on. Like, he had a very cluttered um, headspace. It, it was a lot going on. Yes. But a lot of it was self-inflicted wounds, but it was still a lot going on. There's a lot happening. Yeah, and now you look forward for the university trying to find a new coach. What makes it difficult, even though we're a top 10 program without a president, without a permanent athletic director, it makes it hard because a lot of your top talent, a lot of the guys you want to go after are going to be like, that's too unstable. And especially when you don't know when you're going to have these NCAA violations coming down, what they're going to be, or, or even when they're going to happen. It's only been like eight years, or I don't know how long it's been now. I lost counts like 1,500 days, and we're still waiting. So it's just, it's crazy. Hey, I, I, it is absolutely crazy. And now that we've talked about how we got here, we need to talk about what do we do next? What is this thing going to look like here on Saturday afternoon as Louisville Hope brings in Coach K for the last time? Coach Krzyzewski comes to Louisville. After a stupendous, spectacular, and scintillating career as the Duke Blue Devils head coach, you are listening to Wake Up 502. And hey, guess what? If you don't know, now you know. You know. Welcome back, welcome back in to Wake Up 502 is going down here on a snowy Saturday in the Ville as we are talking all things UofL basketball as the drama continues here as we try to figure out, uh, you know, it, I, I know that, that Louisville is, everybody is reserves the fact that Louisville basketball is pretty much done for the year in terms of what they can do. I would say from listening to Coach Mike Pegues, they still have an opportunity to win some games. Like, I don't think Louisville's going to tank. I don't think it's going to be a Bobby Petrino uh, out-the-door situation of the end of his uh, 2.0 career at Louisville where Louisville's just getting blown out by 50 by everybody. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think that's going to not happen for a couple of reasons. I think that Louisville, um, you know, I I've heard a lot of people because of Louisville's losses and some of the things that have happened that this team just doesn't have any talent. That They're just not any good. There's not any good players. 
I don't think that's the case at all. Um, I think that there's plenty of talent on this team. I think that the the talent on the team has been horribly utilized. I, you know, I was uh, speaking with someone, and big shout out I, before I get back into it all the way. Um, a couple of folks gave us some Haven some shout outs on Twitter. Uh, uh, Didi Conklin and uh, Gil Fohelder said that they're listening, um, and, and Didi said she liked Man in the Mirror. She liked that that intro coming in. Uh, so I appreciate you guys listening. Um, that's at R A R A A S H A A N on Twitter. Um, if you want to shout out and get your thoughts on there, of course, you can always give us a text into the Thornton's text line um, at uh, 502-414-1450 as well. Um, so, you know, you can always do that. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that right now um, this Louisville team has an opportunity. Now, are they going to go out there and beat a team like Duke today? Absolutely. Well, I won't say absolutely not. Chances are no. <laughs> There's an 80% chance of a no. Yeah, I mean, but you know what? I look at it like this. I have seen Louisville teams that were horrible. I saw a Louisville team that ended up uh, with a horrid record beat a national championship UK team uh, led by Tubby Smith. Okay, so I've seen bad Louisville teams beat good teams because it's Louisville and you're at home and that's what we do. Like we're the home of basketball. Okay, so when you come in here, it's never easy out. So even with Duke coming in ranked at number two um, with the probable, you know, number one, number two, number three pick in Paolo Banchero. Um, I know that Trevor Keels, their other superstar freshman, is uh, uh, going to be a game-time decision. We'll have to see what's going to happen with him. But I, I think they're going to have an opportunity uh, to win. You know, I, I think that they're going to have an opportunity to do something, Haven. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, hope springs eternal. And, you know, and, and I listened to the press conference. I read the transcripts. And the players really seem to be excited that he gets back, that he's coaching. You know, like he remember like, what they were like when they um, – you know, went to the Bahamas and and played and did well. He, he got the team over the hump. He, you know, he beat a Mississippi State team that just took Kentucky to overtime. So, you know, hope springs eternal. Absolutely. But after one game of just him being back, I, I think you may see the, a, a, a bump in the first half. Um, you just don't know if that's sustainable. If that's sustainable. Absolutely. I, I just don't know because you're going against Coach K – one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time, probably in my opinion, probably the second greatest basketball coach of all time, uh, outside of John Wooden, who's obviously number one. But did you know that that University of Louisville is like the only Power Five team to have a winning record against Coach K? There you go. So hey, hey, he's coming into a bus stop. He hates seeing Louisville on the side. But hey, but let me tell you something. We have a special guest on the line. Um. A man that we both know very well who has decided to grace our airways here at WXVW Big X Sports Radio. Jay has his own the line. What? Yes. What? Man, what what if the rock is cooking? <laughs> <laughs> Jay, what's going on with you this morning, man? The, the esteemed Jerry Hazard is with us, one of the greatest voices in Louisville radio history. Jay Haz, how you doing this morning, man? Doing fine, guys. A great morning show, man, to wake up and uh, hear some great dialogue. I just want to give just a small input uh, about this uh, basketball, this little basketball program. Since I have seen this uh, assistant coach uh, has talked and motivated these young kids, I feel a different kind of way that I did a few days ago. 
And I think that when your back is against the wall, you have nothing else. Yeah. It's, it's to move forward. So uh, there, there will be some resilience behind this team. There will be some uh, connection with this team. Uh, there will be some dog in this team. Um, and I think you're going to see a different kind of Louisville basketball team this afternoon at noon on the, on live on ESPN. I like it. Jay, I, go. I, I would love to see it. Do, do you think Mike Pegues, let, let, let me just ask you, do you think Mike Pegues is going to get these boys playing at a different level? Like, Do you really and truly believe that these boys will play better for Pegues than they did for uh, Coach Mack? Of course, I agree. Okay. Right. I agree. I agree. The I best sports show in the country. Being joined by the greatest producer there is, Jay has, of Man. course, at the legendary WLOU, has been doing it for years. Decades. Absolutely. So, appreciate you uh, checking out with us this morning, Jay. I appreciate you guys. Keep up the great work, man. Hey, thanks so much, man. Keep listening. Appreciate it. Jay has. Look at that, man. We got the, we got the, the luminaries, the dignitaries joining us this morning. Hey, you can't beat that. But you know what? He does have a point. They did play much better. Yeah. With Peaks' coach. I mean, and it's in the Bahamas, that was their best run in the entire season. Was when he was the head man. So maybe a little energy, a little spark. Get him going. And uh, we do actually, uh, look, we got people calling in at the 384-1450. If you want to get in, you can be next as well um, on the uh, on the button. Hey, you used to call it the buzz line. I always went back there. I don't know if it's the Thornton's calling line. I don't know if Thornton's does the text line and the phone line. But if you want to give us a call in on the phone line, 384-1450. But we do have a text coming in uh, to the Thornton's text line at 414-1450. Uh, texter says, hope springs eternal for Kenny Payne. Bring him in and let him build. Um, I have a lot, a lot of people, Haven. I, like I said, I, any pain train is left. It, fe- it feels like invasion of the body snatchers right now. I have had Dickie V so many Dickie V coming out. Of course, three bald men on campus, Jay Billis and those guys, Seth Greenberg this morning. Once again, talking Kenny Payne is the man. I'm like, dude, it's like invasion. Everybody. I have never. I don't like. I've been watching. Haven, you know, I've watched. Like, I live, eat, breathe, and sleep basketball. I have never seen this much momentum put towards an assistant coach and a guy who's never coached a game in all of my years. Like, literally, everybody is coming out of the woodwork. I have. Um, uh, assistant coaches sending, uh, you know, giving me calls in the middle of the night because I have questions about Kenny Payne. Like, literally, spent an hour with me on the phone, just dialoguing with, you know, all the the great things about, you know, T- Tenny Payne, uh, uh, Kenny Payne, and all the good things that he can do. You know, like, <laughs> I, I I don't know, I don't know what the the whole. I mean, this man. He's like he could run for governor or mayor or something. Like everybody believes that this dude is the next coming. And of course, what we've heard a lot of people, you know, of course, Jerry Eves and Butch Beard uh, and those very colorful personalities have been, uh, you know, they have been very um, adamant about wanting some changes and wanting to see some representation from the old guard. And Kenny Payne definitely fills those boxes. Um, so they've been very adamant about it. And, of course, they rub some people the wrong way uh, because the way they go about it and they have a tendency to kind of seem to throw mud and dirt on the university as they do it. Um, so a lot of people aren't fans of that. 
But um, at the same time, it's interesting just to see so many people because it's not like just Jerry and Butch are the only people calling for this. Like when you hear Dickie V, uh, you know, coming out and doing that, you hear, you know, the, the, all those folks over at the University of Kentucky just speaking their praises, which, of course, annoys Louisville fans to no end. But then you hear Jay Billis. Um, you know, you, you hear uh, Seth Greenberg and you hear just so many people like it just it's crazy. Like, I, I hey, I, I know that we're up against the end of the hour and I wanted to kind of look back and kind of talk about what's going on with this team before we got into the whole coaching search. Um, I have been um, I have been very. I want to just kind of sit back, wait and see to see who's out there. I, I didn't want to, to rush to, to judgment on, on any of these candidates um, because there, there's a lot of people out there um, and I've been jumped on. I got jumped on like, like we talked about last week. I got jumped on by the Auburn fans for even mentioning Bruce Pearl and congratulations to Coach Pearl. He got a, a race. Thanks to even being considered. I feel like they saw my tweets and saw me arguing with, with uh, Auburn fans and Bruce Pearl got uh, raise off my tweets because I kind of started that whole Bruce Pearl train and then it kind of got picked up from there. So I'm just going to go ahead and take credit and say I got Bruce Pearl paid. There you go. I'm going to go ahead and say Wake Up 502 got the got that rolling. You need your 10%. Absolutely. Um, so I, I'll take that. And then I come back this week and mention that I don't want the UCLA coach, Mick Cronin, former Louisville assistant under Rick Pitino, former assistant under Bob Huggins at Cincinnati. I just didn't feel like Mick would be a good fit here. I think he is very similar in mannerism and play style as Chris Mack. And I just don't think people that, that Louisville needs to look to do a retread of what Chris Mack just tried to do. I just think that that's a hard sell for people. And I have the UCLA fans blowing up my Twitter all this week because I said I didn't want their coach. I think they need somebody fresh. It's insane. Yes. My, my thing is, I know I know why people want Mick Cronin because he harkens back to Rick Pitino days. And I get it. I get that. I understand why I want to get somebody who played for Denny Crum because you want to go back to the Denny Crum days. What those days aren't coming back. No. They're not coming back. You got to chart a new course. You got to chart a new way forward. And we can talk about that. Absolutely. Who's Absolutely. Who's, who's next up? Who who's should that? be next up? And, and you know what? We're going to talk about that. Um, and much, much more. Uh, we have so many things to get into, Haven. I know this This first, it always seems, man, when we got a lot to talk about, uh, you know, we never have enough time, dude. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. We're already an hour in, one hour to go, but we are. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into um, who the guy should be. It should Kenny Payne get in the man? I'm going to share with you guys some of the thoughts that were shared with me last night by um, a, a prominent assistant coach uh, in the industry, uh, a guy that I've known well. I will, he will stay nameless, but I, I definitely appreciate the insight with that. But we're going to get into the other candidates as well because I think that there's a lot of guys that should be considered. This is University of Louisville. This is not Murray State. You know, much respect, but they're not. They're not Moorhead State. This ain't Kentucky State. This is Louisville. This is what we do. This is ball. This is the home of three national championships. What, eight, nine Final Fours? Rick Patino, Denny Crum. We don't do halfway. We do all the way. And you know what else is all the way? Wake up 502. We'll be back. Most woke sports show in the city is going down. We'll be back.
Yeah, welcome back, welcome back. Wake up 502, hour number two coming straight at you. Rashawn Myers, Haven had to take care of you. Big X Sports Radio, and it's going down. And you know, this I, I almost can hear this blaring over on Floyd Street at the basketball complexes. Everybody says I can clearly. Uh, you know, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Or in our case, snow and ice. So, yeah, sunshine and rainbows. Everything's going to be happy now. Everything's going to be great. Coach Mack uh, is gone, so we don't have to worry about him anymore. But you know what, Rashawn? <laughs> but you know what? Yes. If you really listen to that song and you listen to it close. Yes. If you take out the melody. Yes. If you take out the lyrics. Okay. That's the beat to Big Daddy Kane's Raw. Really? Yes. <laughs> if you strip it down to just a beat and just a guy I never with a that. tambourine playing the background, that's yeah. Big Daddy Kane's R-A-W, a terrorist. I can see that. They're bring trouble to. Phonium C's. That's what I'm talking about. See, that's the next step for little basketball. You got to get raw, I baby. I like that. I, you you got to get raw. You know what? You are a radio ninja. <laughs> <laughs> That that that's good. That's good. I like that. I like that. But hey, but you know what? But you, you're not telling us. You know, you're not telling any lies. And we talked about it. Um, you know, about looking at the man in the mirror. And we talked about now. It's up to you. Coach Mack is gone. All the excuses are gone. Y'all got the man back that you wanted. Coach Begees is back. So now, what you gonna do with it? Who's next? You know what I'm saying. The big question is like, who's next? Who's next up? That's now. If you listen, if you listen a little bit Twitter. The obvious answer is Kenny Payne to Louisville Twitter. That's, that's the obvious answer. Everybody was going hard. I mean, I I went out and said, I, I like Mark Jackson. I think he's an excellent coach. He built the Golden State Warriors to where they are now. Absolutely. I know, but a lot of people have some issues with some of the things he said. He's a very, very, very religious guy. Kind of conservative, and sometimes that rubs people the wrong way with some of his ideals and things of that nature. Even though they loved it from Tim Tebow. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. And plus, you know, we understand that black coaches are held to a much, much higher standard than their white counterparts in every sport. Absolutely. At every level, except for maybe the high school level. But at almost every level, college and pros, black coaches are held to a different standard. You got to be better than. You know, it's you can't be average. You have to be above average to better to get, uh, you know, to to get a call up. And once you get that call up, the 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 microscope on you is much stronger than you know your your white counterparts. So you know that makes hiring. That that makes your favorite coach and the hype you're putting on your favorite coach, coach to be, should I say, in Kenny Payne, unfair in, in my book. No, I, I totally agree with you because, and, and that was the thing I said on Twitter. I was like, as much hype as this man is getting, like, I expect this man to be a flawless bench coach, be able to recruit all star, five star players, um, you know, go out into the community, be a perfect spokesman to the media, uh, go out, help old ladies across the street, kiss babies, shake hands, sell popcorn. Sell popcorn. Like, everybody needs to just chill out. And, and, and that's including Dick Vitale, that's including the bald men on campus. Like, 
everybody's just blanket approval. It's not like this is Rick Pitino coming back from the Boston Celtics. Okay, like I can understand if it was Brad Stevens saying, you know, Brad Stevens has legitimate interest. You know, Billy Donovan has legitimate interest. Like something like that to where you have a dude that's a no doubt championship pedigree type guy. Okay, fine. Then you can go crazy and and all that good stuff. But Kenny Payne is a dude that's literally never coached anywhere. And not to say that he can't do a good job, and that was what I was going to get into. It's like, let's manage those expectations a little bit. Let's understand that this is a guy that, yes, he's been around. Yes, he's a great guy. Yes, he seems to have a lot of wonderful contacts within the the sport. Um, We've heard so much about the development part of what he did while he was at the University of Kentucky, um, you know, with, with help helping to mentor guys like Anthony Davis um, and, and Carl Anthony Towns and, and the things that he helped those guys with while he was at UK. But it, you, you're going overboard, okay? And, and that's the thing is I don't want the expectations to be placed so high on Kenny. That he can't succeed. That he can't succeed and that B, Louisville does not do their due diligence and find the right person. The biggest issue that I've had with so many of these coaching searches over the last, gosh, 20 years is that any time that Louisville has looked for their next head coach, outside of when they went out and got Bobby Petrino, because I feel like when they went and got Bobby the first time, I feel like Tom Jerry did a good job of looking at a bunch of candidates. He was excited about what Bobby could do, and he made the decision to hire Bobby Petrino, and we saw how that helped Louisville moving forward. He did the same thing with John L. Smith. Um, But I feel like since then, whether it be Cragthorpe, whether it be Bobby Petrino the second time around, whether it be Chris Mack, most of Louisville's coaching searches in the power sports, in basketball, men's basketball, and football, we've almost predetermined who we want our guy to be. And we haven't really done our due diligence. And actually, let's interview five, six, seven people and see who we like the best, see who's actually the best, and bring that person in. And that's all I want to see happen. And I've said, if Kenny Payne is the guy, he's the guy. He's the guy. But don't put yes. those expectations on Kenny Payne to where he cannot meet those and he cannot succeed. He may be a great coach. And let me say this right now. And I argued down my buddy, Perrin Johnson. I love Perrin to death. Same thing with Steve Rummage. I had to call him out on Twitter because they got on these radio airwaves talking this bull crap about Louisville switching from Nike, from Adidas to Nike. Never happened. It's literally never going to happen. So while you're trying to get everybody hyped up on this Kenny Payne train to come here making promises of Louisville's going to switch from Adidas to Nike, Adidas pays Louisville three times what Nike is ever going to pay Louisville. And if you think that a university that's dealing with um, the shortages in payroll and, and funds because of COVID and everything else going on, uh, you know, the, the, the lack of people in seats for football games, basketball games, if you think Louisville's going to give up that money to switch to Nike when A, Nike's going to pay you less, and B, Nike's not going to outfit your whole sport athletic department like Adidas does either. They only outfit, you know, like and do special things for men's basketball and football. They're not doing anything special for women's athletics like they like Adidas does for for U of L's women's program. You see those those awesome jerseys that they wear and that those alternates that they come out that are just for the ladies. Nike's not going to do any of that. 
Nike's not going to take care of all your athlete, all your other athletic programs and do special things for them the way Adidas does. Marvel has an unbelievable contract with Adidas. And if you think they're going to give that up as well as all the financial compensation that they get, it's not happening. So stop promising that. Stop talking about that because that's bullcrap. And I don't like when people blow smoke when it's absolutely blatantly false. We are all supporters of the University of Louisville. So let's not lie to our own people. I love you. I appreciate you. But no, it's not going to happen. We're about to give up way too much money for that to happen, for them to switch to Nike. You could switch. Even if Louisville switched to Nike, you would be like a second tier Nike school. Probably third tier. Second or third tier. Because at that point, for Nike, it's going to be mostly about, you know, like what the football team's doing. I mean, in college sports, it is what it is. Absolutely. Football drives the bus. Like, if you want Louisville to switch to Nike, you better hope Satterfield and his new class and his new crews become like a top 10 team. I and, mean, and look, you can pack this game to 100,000 people. But, but hey, you missed the point. They go by who's going to get the most fans in there. If you look at the Nike programs that, like, Louisville's contract is with Adidas is bigger than what you what Nike's giving UK. And UK's a power program in basketball. But guess who it is? Michigan football. Ohio State football. It's all your football power, Alabama football. Those are the teams that are getting all the money from Nike and getting all the special stuff from Nike because those are the people that they are selling so much more merchandise. And they are such a, you know, that's what they're looking at. Louisville would be a third-tier group with Nike where Adidas has them as basically 1-1A one one to Kansas. Like, it, it just is completely different. So that, that's not going to happen. And that's not to disqualify Kenny Payne, and that's not to say that Kenny Payne's not a good guy because the only thing you get is switching to Nike, even though it's complete and utter bullcrap. No, that's not what I'm saying. But let's just stop. Put that to the side. Let's never talk about that again because that, that's false hope. And that's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. People, plus, like, those people talking about, Louisville's going to be wearing Jumpman in two years. Yeah. <laughs> no. So here's the thing. Come on, bro. You know, I, and I understand why you want that switch because you're thinking if we make that switch to Nike, we can get in on better talent, which is true. If Louisville switched to Nike, we can get in on top-tier talent. We can get in on better talent. I don't discount that one bit. But even with that said, with the transfer portal the way it is now, you can go find your filler team, your filler talent. And be ultra competitive. That that's now the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. You can still get maybe not the super top ten talent, but as Rick Pitino has shown you, you don't need top end talent to win a national championship. What? As Villanova has shown you, you don't need top end talent to win a national championship. Well, and, and you know what, Haven, though? I, I, I'll tell you this. And this assistant coach that, that called me last night gave me some insight into Kenny Payne and what he does bring. Um, and, and he said that we have to understand, he said, while Nike has been the, the key power broker, um, you know, with funneling kids to uh, di- the different universities, um, that over the last couple of years, the dynamics have changed a lot. And he did mention the fact that, you know, you have to look inside the social justice movement and everything that's happened with that. And there's a real big push um, for, you know, African-American equality in the workplace and and looking at those types of things. And, and one of the things that 
that Kenny has is the ability. He's always been a great recruiter. He helped um, get Oregon a couple of top five recruiting classes uh, before Oregon really got it going with Dana Altman. And, and you know, he was able um, to to help Kentucky secure those those number one recruiting classes, even though, you know, it's Kentucky. They're going to get their guys. But he said Kenny already had a great ability to relate with kids and that's going to help Louisville on the recruiting trail but one of the things that is not being talked about enough we see where there's a movement for more kids um, to attend HBCUs because they want to play for black coaches and that they want to have that um, representation and he feels like the power combination of Kenny Payne, a guy who's very charismatic, who has great connections, who has NBA, um, you know, experience now and has helped um, um, teach some of the best in the NBA right now, that that combination is going to supersede any sort of shoe affiliation to where Louisville can get in the doors and get done some of those things. I can buy that. I agree. I agree with that 1,000%. Absolutely. If you talk to Kenny Payne, I've talked to Kenny Payne, we sat down. And listen to him, coach. Yes, all those things. Like I can absolutely buy that. Like I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that argument. That is a very strong argument. That's something that I had not considered before I had that conversation yesterday. And that makes sense because that was one of the things that I had big reservations about was about people just saying that oh well because Kenny Kane's going to get there. You see the guys he got Kentucky now he's going to give him at Louisville. That doesn't resonate with me because it's like no. First of all, Kentucky's Kentucky. And Kentucky's a Nike school. But I did not take into account the social justice aspect of that. We see kids like, of course, Shadir Sanders um, went to go play for his dad um, at the HBCU at Jackson State. The number one quarterback cornerback in the country. But the number one cornerback in the country has committed to Jackson State as well. Um, and we've seen kids make the push to try to get more black representation for some of the best athletes. So that actually makes sense to me, and that is something that is something that should be considered. And that, that was a very good argument. This is a guy who has no stake in the situation. He has a job. You know, it's not like he's telling me this for any specific reason. He just saw me on Twitter and decided to give me some insight from that side of it. And that's something that I wanted to share with everybody on the airways because that's something that I had not heard but makes good sense. And I feel like that's a good argument in, in Kenny Payne's um, holster. That, that, that is a good selling point. And I totally agree with that. Anybody that I've talked to behind the scenes to this point had not said anything about that. But it makes it makes good sense. So, I mean, from, from that end and the fact that he seems to be a very learned man um, uh, and he has gone through um, and learned a lot about it. It's not like Penny Hardaway who basically coached AAU for one or two years and decided to jump into coaching or, or um, Patrick Ewing who had a very limited time uh, coaching before he's he's you know got the opportunity. Kenny Payne is a guy who's been around um, basketball for, for a bit longer, so I, I'm okay with that. That being said, however, comma, but he's not the only guy that Louisville should be looking at. I, I have been very staunchly uh, a supporter of Bruce Pearl. Uh, of course, I thought that that should have been the first guy that Louisville looked at. I felt like his attitude um, and his resumes, you know, would necessitate he would have been the best guy for the job. Of course, he used Louisville's name to get a big fat raise. So, and congratulations, and, Coach Pearl. And honestly, I understand. I can't hate on that. But honestly, I understand if why Louisville would not want to consider Bruce Pearl only because of his NCAA baggage. Yes, and that was something that... And that's something that you didn't want to... Josh Hurd said that he wanted a coach with the highest, uh, you know, the, the highest uh, uh, um, 
uh, what what's the word I'm looking for? Um, cleanliness. I don't. Not cleanliness though. You know, standards or whatever. You know, but he 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 wanted somebody who somebody with no history of instability. Yes. So so we understand that. But you know what? Like I said, Coach Pearl mentioned that 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 I brought him up on Twitter and he got paid because of it. And, and and that's okay. Good job. Absolutely, and, and that's fine. That's fine. Um, and, and I think that that's a good move for him. Um, but I have said that you know we talked earlier about Mark Jackson. I think that that's a, a direction that should be looked at, and, and uh, there should be feelers sent out there to see if Mark Jackson would have interest. I think a guy who um, helped mentor Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and, and built the foundation for the championship Warriors um, franchise is a guy that should be looked at. A former NBA coach of the year. I think that that is a guy that should be um, given some consideration. Kelvin Sampson, uh, another minority. Uh, of course, he's, Kelvin's a Native American. Um, but, you know, once again, a guy who, who's another minority coach, a guy who has won it everywhere he's been to, um, had Indiana absolutely rolling before um, getting fired because of text messages. Like, he sent too many text messages and got fired because of it in, back in, you know, 2010 2011 which is no longer it got it got it got that stupid rule got eliminated literally the next year 2012 it got they got rid of it Uh, and now you can send as many text messages as you want Uh, but he got he got fired because of that um and and has had to rebuild his um his reputation because of a ridiculous rule but he has done that he has won everywhere he's been he's had houston in the top 10 houston houston ain't been good since elijah wan and Drexler was out there. And he's got Houston winning at a huge clip. Lost his best player uh, early in the season, and Houston is still rolling. Like So Kelvin Sampson is a guy that I definitely think should be given a lot of consideration. And then you have other guys out there like Eric Musselman at, at Arkansas. Scott Drew, who just won the national championship at Baylor. Um, you know, you would think, why would those guys want to be uh, in Waco? And, and why would a guy want to live in Arkansas <laughs> when you can be in Louisville, where you have literally everything and every amenity that, you know, could be thought of? So, you know, I, I think that... There's a lot of guys that should be given consideration for this job, and I just hope that the university does their due diligence. Now, you know, you do have some advantages where if you go get a guy like KP that you can look to uh, get that hire done now so he can start to be around the program and do some evaluation. I thought that Seth Greenberg brought that up with Bobby V earlier in the week. I thought that was a very interesting um, idea. That you could bring in, bring him in early, which you wouldn't have that advantage with some of these other coaches. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. I, I would rather Louisville take their time and get the right guy, even if it does take them to after the season, rather than do something early and rush it and not do true consideration. That's all I'm asking for. But hey, you know what? That music's playing. We got two segments left. When we get back, we're going to talk a little, ba- uh, a little football. Discuss Satterfield. Did he turn the page? Is he learning? I don't know. I don't know about all that, but you know what? Scott, Scott Satterfield, as my, my, my buddy Steve, like I say, is out here working fools on the recruiting trail. So we're going to get into that and much, much more on the other side. You listen to Wake Up 502. Rashad Mice, Haven Harry, take care of you. We'll be right back. 96.1 FM, Big X Sports Radio.
terrorist. Here to bring trouble to phony MCs. I move on and seize. I just conquer and solve another rapper with ease. Cause I'm at my apex, another off below. Welcome back, welcome back. Wake up, 502 is going down, coming back. Haven talked it up, so we had to go ahead jamming a little bit. A raw Big Daddy Kane, BDK. Did you hear it? I did. It, was, it literally was the same beat. That's crazy. Good ear, Haven. See, that's what I'm talking about. We're multi-talented here on, on Wake Up 502. You know Salute the sample. Absolutely. You know what? Before we get started, I want to give a big shout-out to my man, Butchie Calloway. At Miller Motorsports. But I'm telling you guys right now, if you want to drive today, give my man Butchie Calloway a call. They got the pre-pandemic pricing going on at, at Miller Motorsports. Give him a call at 502-418-5943. He's uh, located out there at uh, 5801 Bardstown Road, Miller Motorsports. I'm telling you, my man. My man Butchie will hook you up. And Absolutely. unlike other car lots, they got like a ton of cars on the lot. A ton of cars. So give him a call. Check him out. My man, Butchie Calloway. You want to drive today? Call Butchie Calloway. You know what? You're like a, a sports professional, dude. Yeah, I try. Like That's crazy. I try to do what I can. There we go. And you know, we're going to jump right back as we're turning the page um, to, to, to Cardinal football. Uh, of course, uh, University of Louisville has a huge recruiting weekend. Uh, they got off to a uh, pretty exciting start yesterday as everybody woke up uh, to a bunch of digital uh, billboards around the, the town making the announcement that Pierce Clarkson, the number one dual threat quarterback, um, had made his decision to commit to the University of Louisville. Of course, Pierce is coming in town. Uh, Louisville has been wooing him for a while now. They've been recruiting him to kind of be that featured guy, the guy after uh, Malik Cunningham uh, finally hangs it up. Uh, and Pierce made his decision to go ahead and commit ahead of his visit. And now, of course, Louisville is going to be hosting a bevy of four-star and high-value targets um, this weekend. So that, that got off to a huge start. But we did have some text in um, to uh, the Thornton's text line, 414-1450, talking football. I wanted to go ahead and hit to them. He said, let's talk about Satterfield. He says, why in the world did it take him four years to change his ways? Was it because his job was on the line, question mark? What do you say to that, Haven? Yes, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> why I changed. I mean, I honestly thought when, when he got here, I thought once again he was the best coach out there that, that we could get at the time. And I thought he was a good – I still think he's a good coach. I think he's a very good coach. I think Satterfield's only – his main problem – that's the only problem. His main problem is that he is bound and determined to do things the App State way. I don't want to do it the App State way. Work oh, the App State. Goodness. It's going to work here. Mm. I won some belt championships after some belt championships. I took a team from what well, used to be Division Two, brought them up to Division One, and dominated the Sun Belt doing it this way. And this, if it worked it there, it's going to work here. <laughs> this as well. ain't the Sun Belt, brother. <laughs> and you know, granted, I can get where your philosophy, where your core philosophy. Yes, I can work at this level, but you got to make some adjustments to your philosophy. Like I get having smaller, faster defensive linemen. But there's a difference in some belts smaller, faster, and power five smaller, faster. That's fair. You know, it's just, there's a size difference, about 30, 40 pounds size difference. Uh, you know, so you had to, to kind of up your game a little bit. I don't think Satterfield really was intent on upping his game until it became patently obvious it's not going to work. I also think the fan base uh, putting a lot of pressure on the program to get 
highly rated local talent. Because remember, before we got all these uh, new uh, new coaches coming in from Georgia and Notre Dame and other places, it was literally just several months ago where I took my turn getting uh, scoured or, or skewered on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Because I was like, you know, he had a, a conversation with one Eric Crawford. Where everybody say he did not say it. He didn't. You can't quote him. He didn't quote. He, he didn't say we only get only three star talent, an occasional four star guys. That's the type of program we're in. But he apparently he made that impression with Eric Crawford. That's what Eric Crawford said on the radio that he got the impression from their conversations with Satterfield that this is not a, a program that can go get the, the super top end talent. We're not going to get 10, 12, four stars. What a stars horrible in statement! Year. That was the dumbest comment ever. Well, yes, I, it wasn't a comment, but that's what Eric. Uh, that's that's we got out of their conversation, <sighs> so I'll put it correctly so the people get on us again. Oh, I'll put it correctly. Ridiculous. That's what Eric Crawford got from their conversation <laughs> that we're not that type of program. And come to find out that no, we got to be that type of program if you're going to yeah win. yeah because you know what this saying? is a program that aspires to win national championships. Like it's one thing to be that power five program, and your absolute philosophy is great at Wake Forest. Yeah, it's great at North Carolina. Yeah, it's great at football programs that are happy just to make bowls every year, and that's that's okay with them. Right, they can make a bowl every year, and maybe once every 10, 12, 13 years, make an ACC championship when the ACC's down. Right, and they're happy with that. That's not this type of school. That's, not at all. This type of school is we aspire to one day win and compete for a national championship, which means not only do we want to win the ACC, but we want to be in that playoff picture. Hey, carry yourself like the program you want to be. Yes. And, and that's, I think, that's what you got to do. And that kind of blindsided Scott. But I think now that Scott has more power five coaches on his staff, especially from programs that had those national championships aspirations every year, the mindset is beginning to change. Now, I, I know the uh, what's the word? I, I, I know the the talking points that they're, they're being put onto the ether, the sports ether that is universe that is almost a University Louisville radio, but it's at a sports talk radio in this town. Yes, was that all this change happened because his budgets increased? He got a bigger budget. They increased his budget by forty percent. Now we can be on more guys. We can get on more guys. <sighs> Scott never really wanted to get the smaller guys, but his budget was so small. Now you can hire more people and blah 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 yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. All that matters is you, you, matters you better get out right, there and win, brother. But right now he's getting it done. Absolutely, I agree with that. Now, now the texter did also text in and say Satterfield hasn't turned around stuff. Let's just say stuff. He didn't say stuff on the text line, but we're going to say stuff. stuff. <laughs> he says, "Why now turn the page? What happens when he's not aggressive on offense again?" Excellent questions. Like I don't know if this dude has been on our show, but he definitely listens to us because I agree with you. Like you can you can put a new suit on. You can, you know, dress up, you can put makeup on, you can make yourself look good, but your heart don't change. And that's going to be the question, because if you ain't changed your heart, all the rest of this ain't going to matter anyway. So, Texter, I totally agree with you on that. And that that's what it comes down to. It's play calling. You know, all this more aggressive. sounds good, looks good, but, yeah, I'm not falling for the banana in the tailpipe. Well, and the other thing you have to worry about is this. Yes, this is probably the most talent that Louisville has ever brought into campus. At least since since Satterfield's been here, definitely. Well, I mean, because Charlie Strong's brought in some some well, mega so ma- yeah. recruits. And, and Bobby that, Petrino, too. Yeah, but that's what I said. But this is like star-wise. This is like 10 four-star kids coming in. Yeah. This is like the most top-end talent that's been on campus 
to, to kind of see the university since probably Strong's first class. Yeah. When he got Teddy Bridgewater in. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. So, uh, we have another texter into the text line, 414-1450. Red Zeppelin checking in. Uh, but Buddy Red, the longtime uh, you know, t- Twitter guy, uh, he says, I think you were trying to think of the word integrity. Good show. And that, yes, he, the, Josh Hurd was saying that he wanted to have a coach of the utmost integrity. Thank you. I could not think of that word to save my life. Red, appreciate you taking care of me this morning. I'm getting it together, man. I'm, go, I, I'm going to get together go. one of these. we got one more text in uh, to the Thorns text line as well. Um, he says, uh, also, he said, oh, no, this was this is actually for the Kentucky people. We don't care about what they're talking man, about. Why, man, why man, is no, he having like a whole what? conversation you know with what? TJ? Uh, Put Kentucky people on. You know what? I like Kentucky. Yeah, no, but, these, these, but they're talking about like Kentucky – basketball or something like that the, the text line here is really weird like they have texters like for for tj bison's show uh he, he's he's a kentucky guy and they're like text like extra long text even though like nobody's here it's <laughs> like who are you talking to because he's going to read it eventually that is so weird that's so odd I don't but, know. you know that's okay though you People know what crazy go go big blue I, I will come in there and slap you go big blue you know I, what i will slap kentucky, you you had a great game against uh bruce pearl and auburn if Ty Ty Washington doesn't go, that doesn't go down. You know what? Good job, good job, Auburn. Auburn beat Kentucky. I'm very happy. They beat a crippled Kentucky without their best player. It doesn't matter. It I, does I matter. enjoyed it. That's the only reason that I'm all right with Bruce Pearl staying at Auburn is that you know what? As long as you can continue to get on John Calipari's nerves and knock them cats off that high horse, you can stay in the SEC. I'm okay with that. I support that fully. Now, if like Scott Drew turned Louisville down to stay in Waco, Texas, like that's a little bit different. It's like brass in Waco. Yes, I understand you just won a national championship. It's still Waco, Texas. Like when you wake up, you're in the armpit of the United States of America. You don't put it in Texas. It's the armpit of everything. Waco's horrible. There's nothing in Waco. There's nothing in Waco. Like the only thing worse than Waco is like El Paso, where Ooh. UTEP is. Like that's like the worst cities in the in the whole country. <laughs> <laughs> so I I mean you know anything is better than that, dude. You don't want to be a basketball coach in Texas. Like come on, especially if you're not in like Austin. If you're not coaching for like the Longhorns, like come on, man. Like please, Scott, come on down. Like let's 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 get this cracking. Any, anyway, I digress. But, no, it's going to be a huge weekend for, for Scott Satterfield. Um, I, I'm very interested and excited to see uh, if he can bring some more of these kids in. Um, Pierce Clarkson uh, said on Twitter um, this morning early, he said that people are going to be shocked at just how good this, uh, you know, Flyville 23 class is going to end up being. He said that it's going to be superstar laden. And you know what? If it is, Scott Satterfield may actually keep his job just because now he can finally preach. But you, you know, know what? what? Look at what we got coming if in. If not, bring in Deion Sanders. Let's get this train rolling. Oh, boy. Oh, Hey, did you hear Shadur Sanders became the first HBCU to sign a nat- uh, national NIL deal, signed it with uh, Gatorade? Like, that's big time, dude. Hey. That is huge. A lot of people doubted Dion, but you know what? His name was being floated around for the Dallas Cowboys job whenever I thought that Matt McCarty may get the boot. I'm just saying. Man, don't go to the Cowboys. Goodness know, right? gracious. I'm a Cowboys leave, fan. Leave this don't dude. Do that. If he's not at HBCU, let him go to Florida State. But get, leave Dion. Dion just needs to be in college. Like we, They need that swag. Nobody wants to go be the next Jerry Jones robot. Please. Hey, you know what? We're listening to Wake Up 502. When we come back, we're going to get Haven's thoughts on the Super Bowl. What's going to happen here with Championship Sunday? You are listening to Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers, Haven here to take care of you. we got one more segment left, y'all. If you want to get in, 414-1450. The Thorns text line will read your text on the other side. We'll be back. We get raw.
rolling on my throne with the bronze microphone. Mm. God bless the child who can hold his own, cause I can roar. And welcome back in, welcome back in, wake up 502. Y'all should have seen Haven in here. Haven. I love that song. <laughs> Nothing says football like the Raiders theme song, I'm telling you. <laughs> that was that was classic right there. Like he he really and truly loves that. But you know what? It's championship weekend, man. Coming off the greatest. The most unbelievable divisional round in the history of of the NFL. Like no, no, hold on. No, I'm gonna back up. That actually may be one of the greatest playoff weekends of any sport ever. I can be down with that. Like when all four games end on a last second play, like literally a walk off score won every game. Like it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I mean, you know, the the Bengals, like the the Bengals Texans game or uh, Titans game. Yeah. Like just unreal, just unreal games. Uh, the Packers 49ers was un- was unbelievable. Watching the Rams try to do everything they could to give away the game to the bu- Buccaneers in a game that they had done. I thought I turned the game off thinking, eh, it's over, it's over, it's boring. The next thing I know, I look and it's like, uh, what a, a thir- it was a 13 point game or, or, or tie. It, it, it was getting close, and I was like, hold on, it's within two scores, and it's the fourth quarter, and they have Tom Brady. Let me turn this on real quick. Touchdown time. <laughs> and the next thing you know, like bomb pass, one score game. Oh my goodness. Like Tom Brady proves over and over. Everybody tries to say he's too old. He's like 45. He's 44, about to be 45 years old. He's too old to be a top tier quarterback in the league. He doesn't have any more. His arms weak. He's not the same Tom Brady that he was 20 years ago when he first got in the league and was winning Super Bowls. He's still the same dude. I told you, like, the two people that I fear the most as far as, like, old men that can still, like, just rally and just do anything they want, like, they just have that just that that still just will, the sheer will of just the brain, you know, brain power. Tom Brady uh, and, and Michael Phelps. Like, watching Michael Phelps in that last Olympics where a dude is, like, way, like 20 years older <laughs> than every other competitor, and he's just like, you know what, y'all still can't have it. It's still mine. I still got the crown. Like that's the way I look at those two guys because that that's just sheer willpower that those dudes can be that great it's at that age. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. Tom Brady at forty four years old is still like leading comebacks. Like he's showing you why they they were able to beat the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl after being like seemed like left for dead. Yeah, I mean it, he, it just, he, almost, he almost did it again. He almost like had another miracle comeback. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I, then the game of the century, maybe. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Good Lord. No, I agree with you. 
Oh, and by the way, just before we get into it more, we did actually have one more text into the Thornton's text line that, that the one uh, one of the call, listeners wanted to a- ask this question. He asked, did Gunter Brewer leave the football program? Said no more freaks. And, yes, that is true. Louisville wide receivers coach Gunter Brewer took a coordinator position. Um, I can't remember what school it is. I'll have to look it up. But, yes, Gunter Brewer, uh, the, the head man of the, the freaks, which is the, the Louisville wide receiver group, um, did move into a coordinator position. So, uh, I mean, but that's good for him. That's awesome um for for coach brewer um well deserved uh you know he's a he's an older guy so i mean he's been waiting for that call up for a while uh but he definitely deserves it so big shout out to to, to coach brewer on that there we go just fyi but i digress back back, back to the the football but no i agree with you i mean it, it was unbelievable and then of course to end it off um you know the bills chiefs <laughs> just that was like Ollie Frazier. That was the Ollie Frazier of football. Just oh. haymakers. It was like a Rocky movie, just throwing haymakers left and right. But I, I'm going to tell you what. The Bills had the game won. Se- First of all, 13 seconds left. There is no chance in hell that the Chiefs should have been able to get in position to kick a field goal. Two reasons why. Where the Bills messed up at the end of regulation, they took the lead, you know, just a completely amazing and awesome display by everybody involved. But what they, what the one mistake that they had was after they scored the the go ahead, uh, the touchdown to put them up three with the Bills up three with 13 seconds left. They didn't squib kick the kickoff, Haven. If the Bills squib kicked that ball down the field, then the Chiefs would have had to recover the ball and had to do a return because you can't fair catch a squib kick. Okay, once the ball hits the ground, the ball is live. So if they if they squib it down there and bounce the ball down, the squib kick is where, of course, you kick the top of the ball, and it kind of b- bounces down the middle of the, the return. Okay, if they squib it, Kansas City probably picks that ball up. You can't really – I mean, you can kneel it, but if you kneel it, you're going to be <clears throat> wherever you catch the ball. So so likelihood they're going to get get the ball, and they're going to try to run it back a little bit. That probably takes you from – 13 seconds down to maybe 11 to 10 seconds left. Okay, so that's already three additional seconds off. You know what? It wouldn't have mattered. You know why? Patrick freaking Mahomes. No, no, but see, but the problem is this. There's there's two problems. Because, first of all, you didn't squib it, so you didn't use those two to three seconds that you would have taken off. And the second thing is, you played prevent defense. Just prevents victory. And once again, you put your secondary guys 30 yards off the ball and allowed two 20-yard completions. To leave like one second on the clock for the Chiefs to be able to set up for that field goal. When are we gonna learn, Haven? Man, let me tell you something. With 13 seconds left to go in the game, you're thinking to yourself, "There's no way in the world, no way with 13 seconds these dudes can get in the field goal." They got Tyreek Hill. It's impossible. <laughs> but Patrick Mahomes is like, "Let me make the impossible oh possible." Oh my god! They 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 killed the Bills. Killed me. Like it's like, dude, just don't. Play straight-up defense. Yes, I know that you want to keep your safeties over the top, so fine, go cover two and keep them from throwing it deep. But play your standard package, make them throw it short, and then come up and tackle, and the game is over. Hey. Oh, my God, they killed me. Like, uh, that that was – But Patrick Mahomes was not going to be denied. I mean, it's just like, man, that's all I got to say. That game was just like – that was a heavyweight title fight. They were going at it, blow for blow, and it was just awesome. And now championship weekend is coming up. Yes. 49ers and the Rams. 
you know, it may not seem like the sexy matchup because it's the 49ers. And people really don't give Jimmy G any credit. They don't give the 49ers <laughs> a lot of credit. Everybody hates Jimmy G. You know, but the thing is, like, the 49ers have owned the Rams. Yeah. Owned the Rams. They beat them twice this season already. They, like, own the Rams. It's not going to continue in a championship game. Can the underrated, underdogs, 49ers, actually get it done with, with Jimmy G and their company? I would not be surprised to see the 49ers win. I would not be surprised. Like, nobody gave them a chance, a chance in hell to be Aaron Rodgers in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Hey, I'm, I'm But t- they did. Well, this is the thing about the 49ers. The 49ers are a team that, you know, two years ago, the start of last football season, not this football season, the 49ers were like the favorite to go to the Super Bowl. But they had so many injuries. Guys, you know, uh, Jimmy G, you know, forgot how to play football. They had a ton of injuries. Everybody was hurt. Kittle was hurt. All their running backs was hurt. Raheem Mostert got hurt. Like, they just, they, they had gotten ravaged by injuries. But people forget that, like, literally the 49ers were one of the most talented teams in all of the NFL. They were a Super Bowl favorite. Fast forward this year, they finally started to get healthy, and even though they didn't have the, the, their uh, you know their primary running back back, you know with what they were able to do with Debo Samuel as kind of this, I've never seen a wide receiver that runs the ball like a fullback <laughs> in between the tackles the way he does. He's but, huge. But like so once they they made that switch to start featuring or at least divvying up the time and running back and letting Debo do his thing, like the 49ers got back to who they are—a very physical run-based football team that can throw play action so you're not putting too much pressure on Jimmy G and leaning on that defense. And it's working. Like, so I don't know why they should be surprised because this is still in the NFL, Haven, I don't care what year it is. Defense was Defense and running the ball, even against the undefeated Tom Brady uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl, won that Super Bowl with the New York Giants. So this is a, a tried and true uh, you know, formula. So do I expect the 49ers to go out there and beat the Rams? Absolutely. I feel like the Rams are all show, no go. Yes, they got it done. Yes, they have all the talent. Yes, they have all the all the, the bells and whistles. And you have, uh, you know, the all the high-priced, uh, uh, you know, free agents and, and all that stuff. I don't care. I'm, pulling, I'm picking the 49ers. Man, they mortgaged their entire future for this one year. Yeah. The Rams went all in on this year. We're getting Von Miller. It's like the like, like the 94 49ers, yeah. like they did when they got brought in Deion Sanders and all those guys. Yeah. We're going to put, we're betting the farm. We're going to get OBJ. Year. You know, we're going to go get, uh, what's Matthew his name? From, from, from the Broncos, uh, uh, Von, Von Miller. Miller. Matthew we're, Stafford brought those guys in. And we're, we're going all in, all chips in on this season. But I will say, like, if if the um if the, the Rams do find a way to get it done, I will be okay with it just because I like Matthew Stafford. Like he got the unfortunate short straw being um selected by uh the the, the, pist- the, the Pistons guy, yeah, the, the Lions. And, you know, I never thought Stafford was that good, but dude showed that he was a actually because I was like, dude, he's a quarterback at Georgia. He's never gonna do anything. And he's been a really good player. Uh, and, and you know what? If he gets to go finally get on a good team and then show that he can in his first year, take a team to the Super Bowl. I got to give mad props to that. But that being said, however, I think that the 49ers are going to win. I think they're going to take that old school, you know, Mike Singletary built <laughs> offense, you know, and they're going to go to the Super Bowl. 
and nobody's going to like it because Jimmy G is going to be in the Super Bowl and nobody's going to give him credit for anything. And they won't because most likely he'll probably play the Kansas City Rams or Kansas City Chiefs. Well, I, 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 you know, I, I would say. Or, or do you think. Hey, who they? Or do you think the Bengals. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? You know, the Bengals beat them early this year. Hey, I'm telling like. The Bengals did it. Me and my son took a trip. Cameron took a trip up to Cincinnati in the offseason. And. Uh, you know, we stayed downtown, so we got to walk around the greatness that is downtown Cincinnati for a few days. And going up there, we saw the Bengals when they were uh, practicing uh, in the preseason as they were getting ready for the year. Um, and I was just looking around, and I saw the Joe Mixon jersey, and I saw the Jamar Chase jersey, and I saw the Joe Burrow jersey. And I'm like, man, they got some good – that's like a legit young triplets. Like, that's oh, like yeah. that's like a legit, you know, like the old Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah, and I'm like, they guys. got a good, good core. I just don't know what they got on defense. And all of the players that they brought in to get that defense together – Fit together seamlessly. And the Bengals have a dang good team. Like, they can legit win it. Like, it, they can legit win it. They can. but they, they, can beat the, they can beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. But they beat the Chiefs early this year. Yeah. Like, they I, can do it. It's unbelievable. But, like, but, I'm so cheering for Like, that sounds like a, such an old school man. 49ers-Bengals Super Bowl. <laughs> it's like 1988. It is, right? <laughs> Kenny Anderson is coming back right? to, to lead the Bengals. <laughs> like, but I do. Like, I, I think, like, that's my picks. I think the Chiefs are going down. I think the Rams are going down. I think the two flashy teams are going home. Or at least I pull for it because I hate Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I hate the Chiefs. I'm a Raiders fan, so I hate the Chiefs. So he, my, my son loves Patrick Mahomes. He's a big Patrick Mahomes fan. So, you know, I, 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 I you gotta give Mahomes only credit. support them because of that. Uh, but that being said, go Bengals. You know what? I, I, want, I want the Bengals to win. I mean, Joe Burrow is, a, is an awesome talent. Chase is an awesome talent. But, man, I just don't see them beating Kansas City at home with the crowd behind them and with especially with the Bengals' horrible offensive line. Yeah, that's now that's that's the thing. Horrible. They cannot pass. But you know what? But, but the Chiefs' line. pass rush has been sometimes. I mean, Chris Jones is now back and healthy, and they've looked better. Um, so I think that's going to be a consideration. But, man, Jamar Chase is so good. Oh, he. Jeez, he Louise. It's gonna be a great. I'm so I have not been excited for Championship Sunday this this much in a long time, Haven. I can after last year or last week's divisional round. It's unbelievable, man. I'm excited about it. Hey, same here. Hey, but you know what? It's time to get out of there. Time flies when we're going having fun. Of course, Louisville Duke coming up at noon. Make sure you check that out. We're going to see what the Cardinals look like. Let's see if we can send Coach K home crying just one last time. That would be wonderful. Haven, I appreciate you this morning. Joe Kelly, my brother, we thinking about you at Get that back. boy's good. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate everything. Go Cards. We'll see you next week. Wake up 502, and we out.